Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Pubs, Pints, People. I'm Claire Phillips and I'm here as usual with co-hosts Ant Fiorillo and Matt Bundy. Hi guys. Hello, hello. Hello. And today we're hearing all about the champion beer of Britain. I always want to say champion the wonder horse, but it's champion beer of Britain. (laughs) Not only a a coveted accolade, but also a fantastic opportunity to have your say in the nation's top beers. Indeed. But first, what have we missed since last time? Eh? It's only two weeks has gone by, but a lot has happened. And for starters, we're now in the midst of Cask Ale Week. Yeah. We were promoting it, looking forward to it last time, and now we're right in the middle of it. And of course, this annual campaign encourages people to try real ale and to support their local real ale pubs. Um, it's a great initiative, isn't it? And, and um, pubs and need support right now anyway, don't they? I mean, um, you know, never a better time to support them. Absolutely. And it is the time to stand up for for cask as the hashtag taking twitter by storm says it uh, I, I actually just walk up to people on the street and ask them to stand up for cask it's just one of the things where i think it's it's a thing we all believe in and uh, and and it is as you quite rightly say after the two years the industry has had if somebody we need to all need to stand up for cask at the moment it's really important um, and it's great to have an event that puts the focus on it now you can learn more about cask ale week unsurprisingly at the website caskaleweek.co.uk original original uh, yeah uh, they, they got in quick with their bought the url for that one early it's uh, good to see uh, and all links are in the show notes as ever and of course now venues will be putting on events throughout the week because we can do them now can't we you we know camera can. events mm. have, have relaunched launched and so there may even be a local camera cascale week event near you that you can go and support in person uh, and you can find these at camera.org.uk forward slash festivals indeedy deedy now we've recently announced our next category of golden awards winners marking camera's 50th anniversary and this time it was the pints category awarding breweries and cider makers who have consistently provided great Pints. Now, with 18 breweries and cider producers recognised, the awards reflect their dedication, traditions and legacies over the past 50 years and the impacts they've had on the campaign, as well as British brewing and cider production. The list of winners can be seen by visiting the 50th hub at camera.org.uk forward slash 50 hyphen years. And you can also see the, the pups winners there as well. But it was good to see some familiar and iconic, really, breweries that are recognised for their hard work with these awards. Many of them, of course, have had a champion beer of Britain among their repertoire as oh. well. And we'll be learning about the process of finding the annual champion, which I always thought was such a closely guarded secret. We weren't even allowed to talk about it, but apparently 
we are allowed to talk about it. And we'll be finding out a bit about the judging, the different beer style categories within the competition. And actually voting for the next round has just opened. It opened uh, the beginning of September. So it's very timely um, and you can cast your vote. If you want to join Camera and have your say, then visit camera.org.uk or cbob.camera.org.uk to cast your votes. Now, the voting window for CBOB, as all the cool kids are calling it, <laughs> uh, will close on the 1st of November. So don't come crying to me on the 2nd of November. When everybody say, I'm just getting ready. I've been drinking them all and making our decision. You've only got to the 1st. I've done, so I've get done my bought. vote. I've done, You've done it already. As you were reading that, then I thought, I bet Claire's already cast her votes. She's <laughs> the kind of person who's right on this kind of stuff. Whereas I'd be one like Matt saying on the first going, ah, I need to do this now. That's me. It's like doing your homework, isn't it? Right, I'll be at 11.59. Oh, yeah, yeah, I used to do it on the bus on the way in. <laughs> just like, which was the mild? Which was the mild? <laughs> Choose the mild. But you're just desperately swigging them all. Just go, oh, I don't know. Um, but um, well, I, luckily, Camera have helped out people like me because all Camera members have received emails reminding them to cast their votes. And, uh, and in fact, our first interview today is with Christine Krein, one of the key people involved in the recent review of camera beer style categories for CBOB. So she's gone through all the beer style categories. And, uh, and I think it's really important, this interview, because it talks about how trying to reflect the old styles and the new styles and have a mix of, of all of them in the categories that are chosen. As you say, Claire, it's kind of uh, behind the mystery curtain. Uh, yeah. of, uh, of the process that goes into it um, seeing the, the Wizard of Oz uh, <laughs> behind that curtain and revealing it all and and she'll be giving us all of the insider info including when we'll be finding out the next winner and something else that Christine will be talking about is how camera chooses the different styles that beers are categorised into if you'd like to see the beer styles in full detail there's a link in the podcast notes and some of the styles are on the rise some of them long running favourites some of them a bit of an endangered species, a bit like a, say, a British IPA and a mild. <gasps> nun, nun, nun. And in our second interview today, we're doing something a little different. We've got both Ross Hunter of the Surrey Hills Brewery and Siren Crafts' Darren Anley joining Claire, our very own Claire, for a roundtable chat. Now, both of these breweries have been crowned with the Supreme Champion Award recently. You must have felt like you were in royalty in that interview, Claire. Yeah, I'd, and to be honest, the day before I did the interview, I'd actually tried the Surrey Hills beer at a beer festival. Somebody said, you've got to try this, it's one champion beer of Britain. I didn't know that the next day I was speaking to the guy who owned the brewery. Oh, but, well, there um, you go. And you, yeah. of course, you're talking about Surrey Hills Sheer Drop, which is That's right, the most yes. recent winner that was crowned at the GBBF in 2019. And Siren Craft's A Broken Dream, yum, 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 won the year before. Uh, now, it'll be brilliant to see their insight, or rather hear their insight into how winning the competition has impacted their businesses and get a little glimpse into that winning experience. Yeah, we've got two great interviews that, that come at this from a different angle. And I guess a lot of them talking about beer styles, obviously very important, the different beer styles to the awards. So I've got to ask you all the question. What beer styles do you usually go for? And... Do you stick with the same style all year round or do you have a kind of seasonal favourite? I'm not sure I'm even allowed to answer this question because do you remember a, a few episodes ago I kind of made Twitter explode when I said something about not drinking a, a stout <laughs> during the summer or, or something like yeah, that. Choose your yeah. words carefully, Phyllis. Um, so do, do, I, do I have a seasonal favourite? I quite like dark beers in the winter and golden beers in the summer. <laughs> She's keeping it as plain as but, that. But I would like to say that 
any time of year is a good time to, to drink um, dark beers or indeed lighter beers. You know what? You almost had a catchphrase coin there, Claire. Any time of year is great for beer. Yes. <laughs> I mean, now I'm just going to go out there and say it. I love seasonality within Real Ale. I love going through all of the different beer styles throughout the year and seeing what the producers uh, are bringing to the, to the hand pumps at my favourite pubs uh, in and about the town. I think if I was going to choose my favourite season, though, it would probably be either coming out of summer into autumn. I do quite like some of the dark stuff in the winter. Um, but, yeah, autumn's quite nice. What about you, Matt? Well, I know I'm going to get in trouble on Twitter uh, uh, as well, but I, I do feel that there is something nice in changing beer styles as you as you go through the seasons. As you say, like I usually find myself uh, moving a bit more, migrating to the darker porter and stouts, you know, as the as the uh, as the evenings darken in, and I feel like that some things are just they feel like they've got the right type of feel for the season that you're having them in. So if I'm having a hazy pale, I always feel that that, or, or more of a golden ale, I do feel like that um, is more suited to summer sometimes. But for me, just to, to, so I'm keeping in with my apple brethren, I have to say cider is the one drink that is absolutely all year round. <laughs> uh, and, and, and I don't know if I get in trouble. I think I got in trouble last year for saying that I do like a mulled cider but I don't mm. wait till Christmas. I'll be having it from about September onwards. Every time there's a, a slight chill in the air, as soon as like the uh, as soon as the heat wave ends, <laughs> like, I, I just get my get my mulling pan out. And, I, uh, and I'm out on the moors. I could say something even more controversial about the um, the styles, and that's are we ever going to see perhaps? And and I'm I'm going to hear beer spat across tap rooms across the, the country as I say this, but maybe a category for low alcohol or no alcohol oh. beers at some point in sea bob but perhaps we should move yeah. swiftly on and uh... yeah, it's a great area a lot of people who do love them. i think there's some great ones as well we've talked about it before haven't we yeah i mean antino when, when, when we were our um, partners were pregnant and i remember us talking about having, having it sort of because we never know where we were driving to the hospital and we, and, <laughs> and we were having those low alcohol ones and we actually had some amazing exploration i think it is a great area you've got to follow also got to reflect what the customer's are after you know as well what the national mood is like and what people are drinking you've got to you, change you could, the times as well as protect things you could award it in either dry january or sober october yeah vacancies for podcast presenters are now open so if you are listening <laughs> 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 my name's Anthea Rillo, and, <laughs> and i said all those things <laughs> Well, listen, whatever your thoughts, it is officially the start of autumn here in the UK. Wednesday, 22nd of September was the, was, the, uh, was the square on the calendar, if you like. And what's more autumnal than a pint of good old-fashioned mild? I mean, mild is an old man's drink, isn't it, Matt? Why are you addressing old man to me? I mean, that's, seems like, I mean, is this because of my birthday about two weeks ago? Just rubbing it in. I said that we shouldn't, shouldn't celebrate it, you know. But, uh, well, I, I suppose that, that, you know, that Mild does have that image. My dad used to say that in some pubs back in the olden days, you'd... Uh, the olden days, I'm making... Yeah. Sorry, Dad. 
<laughs> it's 200 years old. You know? <laughs> um, but you used to see that you'd avoid drinking mild back then because dodgy pub landlords would tip the ullage trays into the mild barrel no. because you'd never notice the colour change. No. So, no. Probably an old wives' tale, you know. But, but yes. Yeah. I mean, when do you hear the word ullage these days know, anyway? Right? <laughs> I, I use it all the time. I can't uh, think of a day that goes by that I don't say ullage. I mean, I'm going to try and take the word ullage into my working life tomorrow just to see, you know, at that 10 o'clock teams meeting that I'll be on tomorrow, I'll be using ullage where I can. Today's word is ullage. I mean, I don't think we should give up on the idea of drinking mild. I mean, I, I like it, mild. And mild, I think, is making a bit of a comeback to be honest. Mm. Um, and as we'll hear in our first interview slot where Owen Ralph is talking to Christine Krein. Hi, Christine. Thanks for joining us. Hi. You've judged a few beer awards and competitions in your time. You just tell us a bit about your background and how you're involved in the Champion Beer of Britain this year. My background was in the food industry originally. I got trained how to taste with Unilever. So I did a lot of tasting with them and then over the years, I've got involved with a lot of beer judging uh, for camera, including yeah. the, the finals at the Champion Beer Britain. But I also judge for other organisations too. And I'm a European Beer Consumers Union accredited judge. Camera paid for me to get my master's training a few years ago. And so since then, over these last sort of five, six years, I've been training other people how to judge beer. People may already have started voting in, for the Champion Beer of Britain. Just tell us what happens next after those votes have come in. To start with, brew liaison officers and tasting panel people around the country uh, put together a list of beers that are nominated. So we have this big list. Yeah. And then what we do is we ask people to choose their top beers in each of the different style categories. People tend to get quite hung up sometimes about beer styles. Mm. But why camera has beer styles is for really two purposes. One is so when somebody goes into a pub, if they see a gold nail and it's described as a gold nail, they've got an idea of what they're going to buy. But really, when it comes to judging, it's so we can put light beers against each other. Because it's much, much easier to judge, say, a bitter against a bitter than it is, say, a bitter against a mild, against a stout, against a barley wine. So that's one of the reasons why we have these categories. We're asking as many members as possible to vote, and it's really important this year because the tasting panels haven't got out and about the way they normally do. Those beers then will be put forward to regional judging, and the winners of those regional judgings go forward to the finals. And there's, there's 12 overall categories this year, isn't there? But you've refined those and, and basically brought a lot of new styles in. Yes. The last time we did a major review on beer styles was back in 2008. And the market's moved on so much since then. We've ended up with brewers experimenting with new styles, looking at the, the historic beer styles, but also European beer styles, things like Gosa's. Mm. That's a sort of German beer that I'd never seen until about four or five years ago. So what we tried to do was we brought together a panel of people to talk about where the market was and then the, where the market was going. And so we increased the number of categories from 10 to 12, and we've done a lot more beer-style definitions in those categories. So, I mean, looking at things like bitters and also milds, are you seeing less of those or are they harder to get now? Bitters are still probably our biggest category, and that's why we've got three, if you include the IPAs as well. Milds is an interesting one. There are about 400 and odd miles that are currently being produced. In comparison, there's over 2,500 of speciality beers. 
but the group decided that we wanted to carry on supporting Mild. And if camera didn't carry on supporting it, nobody would. So yeah. we felt very keenly that we, we needed to keep her category on Milds. I'm a big fan of dark beers myself. What would you say is the difference between a mild and a porter or a stouter other than in the strength? Well, the milds we have into two categories. We have the ordinary milds, which are 4% uh, below, and they can be dark or they can be light milds. Then we have a strong milds, which are anything above that sort of category, and those are being judged in a category now alongside old ales and brown ales and also red ales. So we have a category now encompassing a range of those darker, stronger beers, as well as the really strong dark beers, which can go into um, either the porters and stouts or even into the strong ales category, which are judged alongside barley wines. How seasonal are beers still? Or can people drink anything all year round? I know I do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you talk to the average publican, they'll start putting more of the darker beers on from the autumn onwards. In normal times, you'll find that the lighter beers, things like the pale ales, the golden ales, the blondes, are be dominating the hand pumps in the summer. But as we start going into the winter, a lot of publicans then start putting on more more of the traditional bitters mm. and uh, the stouts and the porters. You'll find porters available more all year round than stouts. Stouts tend to still be more of a seasonal beer. For the majority of pubs, they say they can't sell stouts during the summer. But actually, Guinness sells all year round. It just depends on your clientele. How about the rise of IPAs? There's 50 shades of pale now, there's so many. Do they always have to be pale? No, they don't. Um, we've defined the category into two bits. We've got the traditional British IPAs. And those are the beers, I think, that really do need our support. And then we've got what we call New World IPAs. And those are the IPAs that are hopped with, uh, with New England hops, uh, any American hops, New Zealand hops, the sort of really big fruity flavours. And they, they tend to be paler, so they're more golden-like. But both of those styles are really, really hoppy. And that's really what epitomises an IPA. 5.5% and above, it's got to be strong. And that includes also the beers like, for example, a New England IPA, which has got fruitiness, but a little bit of malty character. So we're trying to encompass those, as well as the black IPAs, which would also go into this category at 5.5% and above as well, because we don't know where else to put them. No, and it isn't, isn't that an oxymoron? Shouldn't a black IPA be an Imperial Dark Ale? <laughs> yeah, but it's too hoppy. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, what we're trying to do with this, I suppose, with all of these these changes of beer style is take a pragmatic approach the way in which camera does its competition is because we have these regional judgings they're all done at beer festivals and there are only so many beer festivals that can host these uh, the, the the judging and each one is done is just separately so one beer festival might do the uh, say the porters and stouts another beer festival might do the milds so we need at least 12 different beer festivals in each of the regions to be able to host these these competitions so practically there's a limit to how many different beer style categories we have um, but we have tried to look as i said the number of different beers in these categories on the systems and that's one of the reasons for example why we now have two speciality categories we've got well over 2500 speciality beers now and that i think reflects the creativity of the brewers they've been experimenting a lot more over these last few years and some weird and wonderful things out there and at least now we have two categories for them to put them in
A lot of the growth in, in IPA has arguably been driven by keg beers. Camera doesn't ignore uh, keg anymore. How important was it this is still for cask, the champion beer of Britain? I think it's really important. Yeah. Um, with the exception of probably Belgium, we're the only ones that have secondary fermented beers. It is our heritage. The Champion Beer of Britain is a competition that should really highlight the best of cask beer. That doesn't mean to say that at a regional level, a beer festival, there aren't cake competitions that go ahead. I know quite a few beer festivals that have a cake competition as well. But for the Champion Beer of Britain, I think it's got to remain as cask. And nevertheless, do you you not see, whether it's from the keg world or just generally, uh, a trend for higher ABV beers now? What's tended to happen is that if you look on the keg pumps now, they're starting to get slightly weaker. There are more Mm. what I call quaffing beers. You're getting things like Berliner Weiss, although Berliner Weiss is traditionally about 3%. A lot of the keg beers there are only about 4%. What I think we we started with was that we ended up with keg beers being stronger to get the mouthfeel. Because they're highly carbonated, they Mm. drink a lot lighter. So if you had two beers of exactly the same um, alcohol content, one of which was a cask and one was a keg, the keg would drink lighter than the cask. So one of the things that they do is up the alcohol content to give a richer mouthfeel. And just lastly, touching on some of those speciality beers, is there any particularly interesting ones you, you want to tell us about without wanting to sway anybody's votes this year? Well, I think in terms of the actual styles, the real growth area has been in sours and wild beers. That's yeah. beers that are using uh, lactobacilli, yoghurt effectively, to give you the sour character, or brettomyces, which is the wild British yeast. But if people want to have a, find out a little bit more about the, the beer styles, if they go on to the volunteers' part of the website and search, they can actually download a leaflet, which will give them the descriptions and an overview of what we've been talking about today. Voting's open till November. When can we expect to hear the, the winners this year? Oh, that's going to be a long while because they then have to go and be judged at the regional festivals which will take place next year. The regional uh, festivals will announce their winners on a local basis. But the beers that we're we're actually judging today won't be judged in the finals for two years. But that's good because it means that when that beer finally gets to the final panel, it's gone through so many mouths and so many assessments that we can guarantee it will be a good beer. Well, thanks very much for your time, Christine. You're more than welcome. And please, everybody vote. We need your your opinions. Wow, there we go. So the number of categories have increased out of necessity. We had an interview, didn't we, due to the explosion of different beer styles and wonderfully creative breweries across the UK. Yeah, exciting stuff. And we now know that we need at least 12 beer festivals just so we can get our judges in the right places. And I know there's been a lot of heated debates about cask versus craft. I've even thrown my old two peas worth into those debates around the table with my mates. But I think Christine's made a really interesting point about secondary fermentation. It's a style of beer that's almost unique in Britain, and I think that we can all really appreciate a well-made craft ale. But, you know, there's a traditional element to cask that has to be recognised in the Sea Bob Awards. I like that. It's interesting, isn't it? It's almost a little bit ironic. You know, IPAs are all over the place nowadays, aren't they? And so many different styles within just the IPA category. But I actually had had forgotten that the classic British IPA mm. that inspired them all, let's not forget, is on the decline. Yeah. 
it's one of the wonderful things about having so many independent breweries. They can have a, a given style, create something really amazing. I mean, Christine said, you know, there are over two and a half thousand speciality beers available right now, which is amazing. It is. I think it's amazing. And I do think we have to acknowledge that it was American brewers who found the magic dry hop formulas for West Coast IPAs. And then you get the innovation with yeast flavours in the New England IPAs. It's interesting when we look at all those styles, isn't it? And how they've, we've talked a lot of how they've evolved over the years. And sometimes it's actually hard to say where certain things started off and where they end because they're always taken by different brewers around the world and developed and made better. And, and everybody inspires others across the world and in other categories. Um, but I think there is an interesting angle here that I've, it's time for people to make a conscious effort sometimes to seek out a British-style IPA, mm. the ones that are slightly in danger, that aren't getting maybe the, the sales and the attention that they deserve because of the newfangled styles have become more in fashion. And I think we need to seek out the British-style IPAs, traditional milds, as we talked about, maybe almost like a kind of a, a pre-New Year's resolution. You know, on the, Between now and, and Christmas, we, we should seek out the endangered ales and give them a totally. bit of a boost. Yeah, well, I'm in. Yeah, I'm in for that. I mean, while you two are hosting your new podcast, because you'll have been evicted from this show, <laughs> <laughs> sober October random stuff. Um, you but- can still go to a pub and and have something that that is more sobering. You just I mean you have to avoid the pub. I, I'm not backtracking or anything. But- <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I, I, I mean, one some of our local pubs have a lot of non-alcoholic beers during those months for their customers who are perhaps drinking not as much in those months. Supply and demand, Claire. Supply and demand. <laughs> It's my new my new podcast, Laugh of a Lager. I enjoy a delightful oh delightful range of Coors Lights, oh you know. Over God, can somebody get him off the show. Yeah. Dear, you, dear just, what's brewing? Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take my camera membership away. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get back on board now, and I've I've got to say I do love. The fact that camera, I know I love everything about camera, just to make that really clear. <laughs> so do I. Particularly, we all, we all love it. <laughs> but we do, I do love the fact that camera takes the responsibility of supporting these traditional beer styles, like the ones I mentioned, the you know, British IPAs, traditional mild, and supporting them and taking that seriously. Because let's not forget, one day, maybe that pendulum will swing back again, making them popular. Maybe they'll be the, the, the flavour of the month, you know, and, and all of the, the, sty- the, the styles and the development will be in the mild category. And then unless we still have some of them uh, still around by that point to, go, to start off the next resolu- revolution and to become the most popular drink again, then we're not going to know what we're missing, are we? Uh, and it's going to happen, right? What goes around comes around. You can only have so many new ideas. And then to Claire's point earlier... Somebody then goes, ooh, we should get the recipe for that really old beer that nobody's made for a, a long, long time, and let's re- recreate it in our own brewery. So they will come back. They'll be there, and when they're there, I shall be buying. Yeah, me too. And it seems like a, a good time to segue into, I just said, dear, what's brewing, but we're going into the, the archive. Uh, we're back in May 1993, and there's an article that uh, complains that good mild is hard to find in the north. Oh, I bet it was even harder to find in the south. Probably, oh. yeah. <laughs> is that now a north-south divide again? Yeah. That, it, it's good. I, I thought you were going to start singing, I thought you were going to do a good mild this day is hard to find. Oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> one, one of the miles that was actually mentioned in the article was from one of the Golden Award winners, actually, Coach House Brewing Company in Warrington, yeah. and it was gunpowder strong mild originally brewed as a one-off for bonfire night but 
Punters liked it so much that it was kept on permanently and the brewery still brew a gunpowder premium mild, which has in the past been a Seabob bronze and a silver in the mild category. So talking about the same recipe, I wonder if it is the same recipe today as in back in the 1990s. Well, I couldn't tell you that bit, but I can tell you it's a delicious beer because I've certainly enjoyed it. I've made it no secret. I've got family up in Warrington and I've sampled the delights of that gunpowder premium mild many a time before. Now, I'm just skimming through this article, actually, and the last paragraph talks about Scottish and Newcastle uh, spending umpteen millions on marketing a copy of characterless, insipid American lager. And they're wondering what half this amount spent on marketing home ales and Theakston's Mild would have achieved. I think it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I, I love it if the advertising line was the characterless, insipid American lager. You know, that, would have been, that, that would have been a great campaign. But I, I think, you know, this was 1993, wasn't it? You know, I they, they were going for, it was the yuppie lager drinker era. You know, those people, I don't think would be wanting to be seen drinking something that their dad used to enjoy. I don't think yeah, there was the time for mild at that time. <laughs> no, but it's not just a drink that your dad used to enjoy. I mean, let's not forget that the, the Seabob Supreme Champion in 2011 was Mighty Oaks Oscar Wilde Mild. And I actually remember interviewing the, the representatives of the brewery at the Great British Beer Festival that year. And I think it was actually for a festival podcast. Um, I, they were a bit stunned that a mild had, had won Supreme Champion, but, you know, it just shows it can be done. It won my little um, virtual GBBF event last summer. I can tell you that much. Our winner was Candle Riggs Mild. And it came in one of the um, uh, GBBF beer boxes. It was delicious. Right, it's time now to to dig out our good beer guides. Um, we flick through our, our copies and talk about pubs that, that feature in them. We're only here for the beer. Of course, all these pubs are a lot more than than beer. But uh, where where have you been looking at your at your good beer guides editions this week, guys? Well, I shall start this week, and I have I've I'm, I've gone I've gone for a pub that I I haven't been to. But I just love the look of. Now it's in the it's in the good beer guide. It's also featured on the Golden Awards on the camera website, uh, celebrating 50 years of pubs, pints, people. So this is one of the pubs they feature. If you're in the area and you know the what I'm talking about, send me a couple of pickies, share the love with the rest of those that are on our Twitter handle at pubs, pints, people, because the pub I'm talking about here is the Berry in Walmart in Kent. Now, what makes the Berry so remarkable to the eye is the entire building is painted bright green oh i saw that one yeah right so the you can't help but smile when you look at this pub right and i think that's what's really appealing for me it's been former branch pub of the year and east kent cider pub of the year mr bundy and it's also been awarded a golden award for standing the test of time which i think is just wonderful and it's regularly appeared in the good beer guide so you know listen this thing at this thing listen this pub consistently pours great pints and i need to get myself to the berry uh, that I mean that that green. You wonder if they. I wonder if they change colour or if it's always green because uh, it, it certainly is is, is eye catching. It looks great. It looks great. What about you, Matt? Well, I, I'm going outside of the Good Beer Guide this time because uh, I am speaking to you from holiday in Cornwall. You are. You in your holiday box. And I just want to give a shout out to two amazing places I've been when I'm down here. And I'm sort of scouring the good beer. Hopefully that one of them will definitely be in there next time. Um, so one of them isn't a pub at all. I went to Healy's Cider Farm near to where I'm staying in St. Mars. And, and it was an absolutely incredible 
day. Fun for all the family. We went round the orchards on a tr- on a tractor, and we saw the saw this just incredible operation of taking lorry loads of, of apples and pouring them into the machine. It was just magical. It was it was one of those things where you know those videos on the internet you see industrial processes. You just yeah. go, it's incredible. And it, and it, and it's whether they manage to do industrial skill, but also they do the really small craft little special ones as oh, well. Nice. So we tried brandies and oak age ciders, and it was fantastic. Um, but yeah, the pub. It was absolutely fantastic. I recommend it. And, and I brought back clothes as well, of course. Um, uh, so I kept trying to go around, trying to bring up the fact that I make my own cider. And my wife was going, shut up, they're not interested. Then the second place I want to uh, I want to give a shout out to is the Victory Inn in St. Moore's. I've been here loads of times and I've never been there. It's just a, a pub down, down a little alleyway just off the front. And I walked in there and it was absolutely incredible. Cask Mark uh, on the door, so I should know it'd be good. I had a, a pint of Atlantic Sea Fury. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely delicious. Mm. They had all the Atlantic in there. And the guys there were just really friendly, really knowledgeable, just a really small selection of beers, of but just perfectly served. And I think it, it deserves, I don't know who goes around and, and can, and, and, decides who goes in the good beer guide uh, for the next time but I'm putting myself forward as I can be your St Moore's correspondent well yeah, there, there'll things. be a local branch down there mate I get yeah, you interesting the, guys get in touch let us know and of course the 2022 edition will be out I think pre-entry or pre-entry pre-orders oh, yeah. are, are being taken now so um, yeah uh, that'll be out soon May, maybe it's made it into next year's book but I'm going to stick with the holiday theme as well because um, I've been following a blog um, it's actually on a running website and the, the guy um, who, who's written it blogs under the sort of nickname of Ocelot Spleens. I'm not quite sure why, obviously a Life of Brian fan, but um, <laughs> he's, he's, he's blogged about uh, a trip that he's made around sort of the, the Yorkshire area and um, he, he went to 20 pubs that he'd never been to before in, in the last few weeks and uh, um, put his top five in his blog. And, and I could have mentioned all of them because they're all in the Good Beer Guide. Um, but number three in his top five was, was the Brew York Tap Room, which is in the in the Good Beer Guide. Um, it's in in Warmgate in York. They are inside the brewery. The beer hall is in the adjacent Old Maltings. This multiple award-winning brewery offers over 50 regular, seasonal, experimental and collaboration real ales, including gluten-free ones. It's dispensed through 10 hand poles and 50 key keg pumps. There's plentiful seating by the brew tanks and outside in the beer garden by the River Foss. Innovative fresh food is served and good vegan choices. And um, the, the, the blogger has said... Um, Brew York, excellent big hall, garden and lots of beer on. Good IPA, he said. So um, so he's he's obviously uh, keeping an eye on the on the IPAs around as well. So many good pubs wow. that uh, he seemed to have visited. I'm, mm. I've written them all down and I'm, I'm definitely going to go on holiday in that part of the world and visit them all, I think. Definitely. I'm just looking at hotels in York as you're talking there now. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like 50 beers... Yes, I mean, I mean, I know, I know that York is renowned for loads of great pubs. Anyway, I, I think somebody actually told me there's a pub for every day of the year. I mean, I could basically just get lost there. I think my wife would be quite pleased about that. Actually, <laughs> we should probably move on to our second interview. You can imagine that one of your beers winning a Seabob Award is amazing news, but. I guess it probably also creates a whole set of challenges as well. Oh, definitely. And I'll bet that the increase in demand that an award would bring could create some real production issues for a small brewery. I mean, how do you scale up production so quickly and how do you maintain the kind of quality and consistency that got you that award in the first place? That problem really reminds me of Wallace and Gromit. 
Ah, I, I, I suspect I know what you're going to say here. <laughs> well, is it because it's an anecdote that I always tell? But it's, it's, uh, no, because because uh, I love I love Wallace and Gromit, and uh, well, and I, I'm, I I I love all their films, and I, I remember the film that did cause a, a huge outcry, which I think you're probably going to tell us, aren't you? It is the so the Curse of the Were Rabbit told the world about stinking Bishop Cheese. Oh um, yes, because Wallace Wallace faints, doesn't he? And they they hold it in front of his nose or something. <laughs> they do indeed. It's a, it's a classic scene, and obviously a lot of people saw that, remember that, and I thought, well, I want to give this a try. And uh, but it's, it's a micro producer who makes that cheese. You know, it's really strong flavour, it? very smelly cheese in Gloucestershire. And and once that film came out, they had to deal with the huge influence of publicity and demand. And so they had that same problem: like, did they stay true to their loyal outlets? You know, been stocking the the little bits of of stinky fish that they made for years, or do they scale up? And take advantage of the national demand, and and if they scale up, how long does that kind of artificial boost in demand last? Uh, and this yeah. is similar with the beers that are on the Seabob um, winners list, I assume. Yeah, I think you know if you if you go to the Great British Beer Festival, as soon as that winner's announced, the, the queues are, are all the way around the hall. And I found out how two Seabob winners dealt with that problem when I caught up with the two most recent winners, Darren Anley of Siren Craft and Ross Hunter of the Surrey Hills Brewery. My name's Ross Hunter from uh, Surrey Hills Brewery. Um, yeah, we won uh, Champion Beer of Britain in 2019 with Sheer Drop, which is a balanced English-style best bitter at 4.2%. Um, it's got a mixture of uh, English and American hops in it, so it's got a bit more um, citrus grapefruit than your classic traditional uh, best bitter, but not enough to offend a more traditional drinker so yeah i'm darren anley uh founder of siren craft brew based in finch Hampstead. yeah broken dream is well we classify it as a breakfast stout it is a six and a half percent stout loaded with uh oats uh with coffee with lactose um and well obviously you get a lot of the uh, chocolate flavors from from the malt all come together to to give you everything a growing man needs for, for his breakfast i suppose were you both surprised that your beers won Champion Beer of Britain? Did you have any idea you were even in the running to, to win it? Uh, perhaps I can start with you, uh, Darren. <laughs> I, I was very surprised. Uh, we knew we were up for a sub, um, you know, being, being uh, voted in some category, but I, I had no idea that it was potentially for that. And then for when we didn't win anything in the stout category, I thought, oh, OK, well, we, did, we didn't get anything. Um, so, yeah, it was quite a shock to, to, to win that uh, yeah, Champion Beer of Britain. Ross, what about you? Um, it was obviously a surprise to win. We've been uh, fortunate enough to have reached the final stages of judging most years um, since 2005. So you would have thought I'd have been better prepared uh, in case we did actually win. And in 2010, we uh, won a category and got a bronze overall. And we've, we've had a few um, gold, silvers and bronzes in the categories uh, over the years, so not completely unprepared, but still uh, never thought we'd actually get the overall champion. You, you are, as you mentioned there, you are a multi-award winning brewery, and, and I think Sheardrop is a multi-award winning beer. How important are awards to, well, to both of you? Uh, they are important, but I think they're important in different ways to uh, different breweries, depending on what you're trying to achieve with your brewery. We don't have any um, desire to to grow or be a, uh, a national uh, brewery with with national brands. So um, 
for for us it's more i suppose a bit of recognition that we're doing something consistently well um clearly it helps very much with the reputation um and the amount of beer we want to produce uh we try to keep it mainly within a, a 15 mile radius of the brewery with a few odd exceptions and the additional interest that the awards have brought has made it easier to achieve that because uh, we've developed a very sort of strong loyal local following for the beers darren yeah absolutely and i think um one of the great things that certainly winning champion beer of britain did for did for us was was internal you know it's it's uh, it's the confidence it gives the the the, the team uh, that we're that we're on the right path that we that you know that we're, we're that we were doing a, uh, that we're doing a good job uh, we you know, our ambitions are um, probably a little bit more national, with um, some export thrown in there as well. So, uh, so uh, yeah, any, any recognition helps, and obviously, yeah, Champion Beer of Britain is is a, is a huge, huge uh, boost in that respect. So, for us, it's it, it, it's uh, yeah, it's definitely important. I've been at the Great British Beer Festival when that um, pump clip Champion Beer of Britain goes on for the beer where it is on the festival, and you just see the queues kind of go all the way around the hall. It is incredible. How do you keep up with the demand once you've won that award? Certainly back in 18, we weren't really producing uh, any cask in July and August for, for Broken Dream. It's a, it's a stout that you, know, you, just, you just take two months, uh, two months out of brewing it for, for cask because you're not going to sell a huge amount normally. But that, that, that obviously changed then. So, so yeah, it did, did have a, a, a fairly big impact to us. Um, I think it was also pretty helpful in, in its... Uh, in it gaining some listings for us uh, both uh, at at Morrison's and and more recently Asda so I think it's it's definitely been very helpful but I think for us one of the things that we've noticed especially from our local local customers they've really loved keeping that uh, yeah that 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 tag on on the pump clip certainly the nags head one of our one of our favorite locals in in uh, in Reading has uh, displayed that very proudly for about nine months afterwards so and and the same for sheer drop, Ross. Um, yeah, I suppose being in uh, uh, a, a bit weaker than uh, uh, Darren's beer that won, um, there was quite a surge in demand because it very much sort of fits the bill for uh, many pubs across the country, and it was uh, really quite difficult. We thought long and hard about what we were going to do, and uh, number one was always staying, I suppose, loyal to uh, those pubs that had supported us throughout our existence since 2005. Um, Locally, we had a a surge in demand for it and it was quite difficult uh, because you don't really want to become a one-beer brewery. So it was balancing that against making sure that we didn't stop supplying our other beers to other loyal customers as well. So it was a a bit of a headache, uh, a lovely headache, of course. And, and um, Ross, one of the things I've noticed that you said in your interview after winning, that it, it's the consistency of, of the brew that has sort of, you know, got this accolade for you and kept it there at the top. Darren, I've noticed you say that the beer, you're always changing and tweaking things. Whose is the right approach? The beer world's changing. I think traditionally um, the main thing you were looking for is uh, to create a, a good beer and then, um, brew it consistently well, but uh, in in the modern environment we we live and drink in now, then uh, people are always uh, tweaking to try and improve things. Uh, so I, I don't think there's a a right answer to that. I think 
all breweries are looking for uh, consistency of, of process and making sure that their quality control is high. Yeah, I think I'd echo that, to be honest. Um, our flagship range of beers, um, Soundwave, uh, through to Broken Dream, we don't we don't change the recipe per se. I mean, there was a time with Broken Dream in its early days where we were changing the coffee perhaps once a quarter to try and uh, explore how that might work differently in, in the beer and change it uh, seasonally. But we actually, we, we, we're, we're really, we've settled on something that we're really happy with. So, so yeah, really the only changes are actually process changes to, to how we can improve it from, um, uh, and they're, 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 they're small, tiny, tiny changes. And where next for both of these, these beers? In terms of trumpeting the fact that you've won, I mean, we very much leave it down to individual outlets. So some of them... Uh, I think Darren mentioned earlier, some are, uh, particularly local outlets, are very proud to be displaying uh, a crown that says uh, that, that that beer is champion beer of Britain. Um, but we, we don't really dictate to people how long they want to celebrate it for. For me, um, it's it's there for life. It's a you know it's a wonderful achievement. So personally, it'll always be there. And Darren. Yeah, I'd say the same. I mean, I think for us, it's uh, you know, it's just fantastic to be a part of such a uh, you know, a great brewing heritage, and you know, looking at some of the names that are, that have been on that trophy, you know, prior to to us, and and then since, it's it's great to to be part of that. So I think, yeah, for for us, uh, in terms of the beer itself, uh, it's we're just keeping on trying to make sure we're being consistent with it. Um, we've, we have actually recently uh, employed, we, we, so we, we, can, we can our beer, um, so, which has now been happening since 2019. And one of the things that, we, that I wanted to explore was uh, nitrogen um, from, uh, for Broken Dream. Uh, because it's about the closest that you can get to, to, uh, to a cast beer in, in, in a can. And uh, we, we've been, it's actually on sale at the moment with, uh, with Waitrose in about 100 of their stores. And that's something that we're, I, I'd really like to, to develop and, and, and push out for, for Broken Dream. Because I think it's a great way of celebrating that, that uh, well, it's not quite cask heritage, but it's, you know, it's about as close as you're going to get in terms of, of, of mouthfeel in a, in a small pack. That's our, our, our next goal for Broken Dream, I think. Well, thank you both very much for for talking to me today and uh, best of luck, both of you, with with all your beers. Fantastic. Thanks very much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks, Claire, and cheers, Darren. Claire, that was really interesting. Do you know, I think there was a common agreement that staying true to the local pubs that gave you their business before you were famous is a really key thing. And I also love that the opportunity to get your beers onto the supermarket shelves can be a fantastic consequence of winning the awards. I thought it was an interesting aspiration to talk about, you know, the 50 mile radius. I think we've talked about beer miles, like food yeah, miles. Quite, have, yeah. uh, like it's really becoming like a, quite a thing, isn't it? And I mean, you're talking about local supply chains, you know, and the, and as you say, the local pubs that that put you where you are, you know, where you were to get a CBOB nomination in the first place, you know, keeping that support going. 
you can't really go wrong with a, a Seabob Supreme champion, especially if, you know, say you're new to real ale or you're just in a in a pub in a different part of the country, perhaps, and, and you don't know what's on offer, if it's a bit unfamiliar. But if the pump clip shows that it's, it's won a Seabob Award, then it's definitely worth a try. You know, you know you're not going to go wrong with it, um, which I guess probably brings us to, to calling last orders, actually. And uh, and, and maybe we should stick with the, the Seabob theme and, and recommend some of our own favourite overall champions. Uh, it's it's going to be a tough call for me because I, I wanted to say Siren Broken Dream, but that's that's been your last orders in a previous episode, hasn't it, Matt? So I'm, You can I'm have it, Claire. It's, a, oh. it's, it's something for everyone. You know, it's a wonderful beer. I'd say you, you, you can certainly well, have it this time. Well, perhaps uh, to avoid any controversy... In the winter time, oh no, that'd be putting in more controversy. Wouldn't oh, there's more controversies <laughs> happening again. Oh, at, at, no. all, sorry, sorry, at all times of the year, I would like to drink <laughs> Simon's Broken Dream. I went out and bought bought it as soon, I hadn't drunk it before, and I went out and bought it as soon as I'd finished that interview. Um, and I think it's absolutely lovely. But I also, at all times of the year, love um, a, a beer that won the Supreme Champion twice running, I think, um, back in the early 2000s, um, two consecutive years for Crouch Vale Brewers Gold. And you really, you really can't go wrong with that either. So I'm having, I'm having two last orders this, this time. Oh yeah, why not go for it? I think I just wanted to mention, because we don't, not, we, did, we tend not to mention people too much who were behind the scenes, but you know, remember we've people, got people like Sean O'Mahony and managers, our Twitter page, hey Shawnee. Um, but Jeff, he's one of our script writers and he's put into the script here and I've got to read it out because um, he, he mentioned a Seabob triple finalist beer and it's Trapper's Hat Bitter by Brimsgate Brewery and he said he was up at the Baltic Fleet pub in Liverpool I mentioned the Baltic Fleet just a few episodes ago and he went straight for it so Jeff we've got that one in for you that's his little last orders for the week I think for me I mean, I pulled, I've actually pulled up the Wikipedia page. Can you believe there's a Wikipedia page for the Champion Beer of Britain? And it wouldn't surprise many a listener uh, to hear names like Timmy Taylor's Landlord and Fuller's London Pride just get those awards again and again and again. But actually, the one that I'm going to go for, and I've seen it on the list, and it won the Strong Ale Category Gold Medal back in 1980. And I'm not at it in ages, but absolutely love it. And it's Young's Special Really, really nice beer, it, and it is quite strong. But I, I love everything about that beer. I love it in on the pump. I really love it on the pump, actually. The bottle design is lovely with that nice sort of light paisley blue pattern style going on. There's a lot to love about Young Special, especially at the voltage that it's at. So that's my beer, uh, Seabob beer of the week. I think for me, I've got to support my Cumbrian roots once again, and I'm I'm really sorry if I've picked this beer before, um, because uh, but it is a Seabob um, champion uh, beer winner, and it's Coniston Bluebird Bitter, uh, 1998. I remember it's it's massively promoted still. There was a champion beer bitter, and I've seen it since uh, they've won with a, a number nine barley wine as well, the same brewery. But um, the the pump club is still on a lot of pubs around the Coniston area um, with all of the the newspaper clippings on the wall so, I, so I've got it's brought back nice memories I think I've been there and, and again so the, oh it's a, a Seabob winner so I've, I've got to try that um, many a happy time in the in the Lake District and I'm, I'm sure that's uh, one of the pubs I've visited up there in the past so uh, yep good choice there Matt Oh, I completely agree. And if you want to check out all of the different beers that have won the Champion Beer of Britain, then get yourself onto the old interweb. You'll find lots of information there. And of course, on Cameron's very own website, there's lots of resources you can check out as well. But that's all we've got time for today, folks. October is almost upon us, which marks the second of Cameron's annual cider months. Huzzah! And we've got a cracking episode lined up for you. Interviews with Big Apple Harvest Time and three different cider producers. 
That's right, Anne. I'm looking forward to the cider harvest. Uh, always uh, good for me to make sure those two apple trees of mine are uh, getting their three <laughs> apples in total uh, to make my thimble full of cider. Always very important. Um, but most importantly, everybody, remember we talked about it earlier in the show. Check if your local has a traditional mild or a British-style IPA on the pumps. And if one of those endangered, lovely beers are still there, then I want you to have a drink of it. Go on the Twitter let us know how you enjoy it because we've got to give those endangered stars as much support as they can get. Uh, and in the meantime, uh, I'm going to try and bring in a new catchphrase for the end of the podcast in aid of Strictly that has started just recently. Stay safe, everybody, and keep... Dancing. Drinking. <laughs> oh. And going to the pub. And going to it, the pub. Yeah, in a very responsible way, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> chin, chin, everybody. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. How does a free case of beer sound? Yes, you can grab a case for free courtesy of our pals at Beer52 by going to www beer52.com forward slash people that's the numbers 52 in the 52 and covering the meagre postage cost of £5.95 and what's more as a special offer for our listeners they'll throw in two extra beers for free so that's 10 unique craft beers Beer 52 is actually the biggest beer club in the world each month they send their members a case of beer from a different part of the world and this month it's an absolute belter their great European road trip case takes in the best beers from across the continent. So try a crisp, refreshing Pilsner from Norway's Lervig Brewery and a monster 7.5 double IPA from Sweden's Durges Brewery. On the dark side this month, there's a smooth stout from Copenhagen's Tool. There's also beer from Croatia, Poland, Germany, Serbia and Austria, among others. 
And if dark beer is not your thing, you can choose the light-only case. Also included is the ever-insightful Ferment magazine and a couple of tasty snacks. And even if, after all that, you're still unsatisfied, you can simply pause or cancel at any time. So head over to www.beer52, that's the numbers 5and2.com forward slash people to claim your free case of 10 beers now.